And hello, 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 hello. Welcome to episode number 92 of the Average Man Podcast. I'm shipping up to Boston, brought in there by the powerful Dropkick Murphys. Um, punk band from way, way back, like an Irish, Irish punk band, oh, Irish-American punk band from way back in the day. Great song. You probably heard that one in movies and shit like that as a background kind of song when, when uh, ruckus or trouble is about to start up. Um, just thought I'd play that one because I've been listening to that on one of my punk uh, punk gym playlists a fair bit lately. Killer song. Gets you amped up every single time. Um, hey, I am... <sighs> Sick as a dog right now my whole, Most of my household is actually Which is a little bit unfortunate um, Got a bit of a Got a bit of a uh, uh, Sinus infection kind of thing going on Sinus infection, bit of a chest infection For my missus as well And my daughter's got some Stomach issues at the moment um, so yeah, we're all a little bit, a uh, bit messed up and a bit gross at the moment. So I will apologise straight off the bat if I, if there's any sort of sniffling going on through this one. I'll try not to do it uh, as much as possible. But you know, when the old uh, beak starts dripping, you gotta, you gotta give it a kind of tidy things back up. It was horrible. I had, um, I had like an antihistamine yesterday before I went down to the shops. And I was thinking that would dry me up a little bit, but I guess it just decongests, yeah. And what it kind of did was let all – because I've got, like, blocked up sinuses up high, like under my eye, right up around near my eyes, you know, like the your upper sinus sort of um, region. <clears throat> super, super blocked, heaps of pressure in my head. And it started releasing all that. So I went to the shops, man, and my nose just started dripping like a tap. It was so bad. I, was, I saw people I knew, and they were trying to chat to me and shit, and like, I couldn't – even stop my nose dripping for like five or ten seconds. So I'm there like sniffing, yeah, and like grabbing the nose and like sort of rubbing it with the back of my finger. I think this is terrible, man. Had to do the old snotty little five-year-old kid wipe my nose on my shirt a couple of times. Terrible, terrible look. Had to go buy some tissues to just to open up while I was walking around the shop to, to blow my nose about 15 times. So super gross. Um, yes, but I will try my best not to... Uh, not to do that to you during the podcast because I yeah, don't reckon people would like that. Uh, anyway, where are we? We are – look, I think last time I spoke to you, I probably already had the puppy saga uh, going on. My wife came home from an unsaid destination uh, with three camp dogs <laughs> in Sioux that weren't doing too well and probably weren't going to survive. Much longer, three tiny little pups, and uh, we had the idea of finding homes for them all. <clears throat> um, we looked into going through safe, but it wasn't that helpful, especially their relationship with the South Helen vet. South Helen vet just really weren't helpful at all. Um, and then if we went through safe, there's got all these stipulations and rules and shit that they that they impose on you, and they want to choose the owners and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of thought, oh, I think I think we'll be right to just do it ourselves. So we've kind of done, we've gone that. Go on that path, just sorting it out ourselves, getting them um, wormed and and vaccinated and um, finding new homes for them and stuff. Uh, and we have got rid of two of the pups already now, going to good homes, people that we know as well, which is great. And the uh, third and final pup is still in my house. We must be like a month on from when they came home now, maybe three weeks, I think a month, three weeks to a month from when my wife brought them home. So, 
it's kind of a mm, it's a, it's a very complicated situation at the moment because look the pup is growing on me and she's a gorgeous little pup she's had a name she's been named for quite a while now I won't name I won't tell you a name because it'll give away where she came from and I just try and keep certain things uh, off record on the podcast so but anyway she she's a gorgeous little pup and my wife really wants to keep her um, great markings and everything looks like a sort of Kelpie cross something maybe some smaller kind of dog in there as well uh, which is what gives me a bit of pause um, a few things give me pause one we don't know what she's going to look like what's going to turn out like could be a little nugget corgi looking thing um, two, she's a female. I've already got a female dog. I really wanted a male dog, and you know, like um, my boy died. My, my my boy dog, who was my best mate, and that's, that's the best dog I've ever had. He died like a year ago, nearly to the day. So thereabouts, um, within a week or so of of, of this date a year ago, and <clears throat> obviously waited a while to get a new dog. And I probably would wait longer if it wasn't for the fact that the kids want a puppy and the other dog's a bit lonely. But I've conceded that, okay, now it's probably the time to start looking for another dog. So I really wanted to choose another dog and, and, and have, some, have um, not try and replace the boy at all, but get a dog that was like a man's dog, a real bloke's dog, you know, like I'm actually, I actually have been in contact with a Kelpie breeder and sort of earmarked a, a male Kelpie pup that I'd have to drive down to, to Three Springs, which is south of Chelton, to pick up. But a purebred Kelpie, and I know some people are thinking you're mad, but I think I can handle it. Um... Just a dog that can jump in the back of the ute, chase the ball, come out swimming with me, run with me. If I, you know, go for bike rides with you, um, easy to like, very smart, easily, easy to train, and all that kind of shit. Like that's the kind of dog I'm sort of looking for. I know we were leaning towards a Labrador at one stage. That was really just me trying to get a family dog, and that's proved to be super, super hard. And I feel like it wasn't the right decision. So I've gone back to my original sort of love of dogs, which is working dogs. You know. Uh, they're just so they're loyal. They're smart. Um, they're just really like energetic, energetic and exciting dogs, you know. And and the dog <clears throat> that we've got now, she's beautiful, real, real beautiful dog, beautiful temperament, beautiful nature. But she does fuck all. <laughs> she does nothing. She just sits there, lies around the place, lasers around the place. Doesn't chase a ball. Not really care. Doesn't really care about going for. She'll go for a walk, but. But she's not like super, super energetic and looking looking forward to that exercise all the time and mental stimulation and stuff. And I really like dogs. I don't really need that dog that keeps you on your toes. Um, so, yeah, I really, really want to get that kind of dog, you know, a dog that challenges me a bit as well, like as in get brings you out of your comfort zone, which is why I like the idea of a Kelpie. Now, I know they can be mental, but I believe that we have and I have the capacity to keep it uh, <clears throat> mentally and physically stimulated enough. Um, got a big yard, live across the road from the beach, got two young kids. I like exercising, running, walking, going for rides, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty good with dogs. I'm pretty good at training dogs, you know, like um, there's definitely things I could learn and I would look uh, I'd be doing a bit of reading and getting some advice. I'd maybe even doing puppy school if I got a dog that, that sort of switched on and that energetic, but I'm pretty good with dogs as a natural, you know. Um, so I think it would be would be be great for us. So I don't want to miss out on that that opportunity. Like dogs aren't just a small – like something that you just go, you know, you get on a whim or, or you, you know, you, you have them for a little while. Dogs are a big, big deal. Um, you know, it's, a, it's their lifetime anyway. There's a lifetime commitment, their lifetime commitment. So you got to make sure it's the right dog. So that's the thing. It's not, there's, not that there's anything wrong with this pup. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's, she is quite clever and got a lot of spirit and all that sort of stuff. But it's just really not like 
it's been 13 years or 14 years since I went out and chose the dog that I want and had that dog as a companion, you know, and, and so it's once every you know, decade and a half that you get to do this sort of thing and I feel a little bit like this, as much as she's a beautiful dog, it hasn't just, wasn't really how I'd, I'd planned it, so I don't know what to do with it, I feel like I don't want to get rid of her, my wife really loves her and cute pup and everything but I don't know it's a tricky one man is it going to be a uh, is she going to grow up to look like a a kelpie cross or is she going to grow up to look like a corgi like is she going to be a rat we don't know these things man you know so uh, look a few things in her favor she is clever very good looking dog great markings kind of sort of gray um if you haven't seen on my instagram or whatever um, go on there and have a look at it um, on the Average Man podcast Instagram, I put a close up of her on after after this. But she's got great markings, very cute. Looks a little bit like a fox, but cool markings. The eyebrows and this kind of cool coloured coat. Um, already chases a ball, brings it back. Um, she doesn't. She drops easy enough. Like I just grab it from her, sort of twist it out of her mouth, and say drop. So she's getting that concept. But chases the ball and brings it back straight away, which is pretty good at like seven weeks or whatever she is, seven or eight weeks old. So she's not um she's not stupid, but. Yeah, I just don't know, man. I'm very conflicted about what to do at the moment. And the, every week that she stays here is another week that she's sort of settling in. It's becoming harder for us to get rid of her. It's going to be harder for her to, to, to sink into another family. So I'm a bit – I'm not very – like usually an indecisive kind of person, but I'm a little bit stumped by this one at the moment. So watch this space. We'll see what happens. We'll either end up with this dog or – just another dog, male Kelpie dog, or could end up with both of them. I really don't want three dogs, so I've never had that many dogs in my life. I think that's too many. I don't think I want three dogs. So we'll just see what happens. Hmm. Um, actually, a little brother that one of the dogs we got away, we got rid of, was to a mate of mine from work. So he's actually going to come around for a bit of a um, a bit of a, a play this afternoon. A bit of a bit of a puppy. Um, sibling catch up so that'll be cool see how he's going the little fella and then I'll tell you this one we'd named the boy Jarrah um the kids did anyway named him Jarrah which I thought was a pretty cool color he's got that black and tan sort of kelpie coloring to him um and me mate he grabbed him already had the name picked for the dog and it's called it Gypsy this is a boy dog so I don't know what you think about that Name for a boy And I mean I guess we are living in 2020-21 In this gender fluid uh, uh, culture of ours But <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned A boy dog shouldn't really be called Gypsy So he's going to have to put up with that For the rest of his life Every time he tells someone his dog's name is Gypsy They're going to be saying Oh is it a boy or a girl And he's not getting his nuts cut off So it'll be clearly a boy With his little hairy nuts Hanging off the back end of it there So see so yeah, that goes for him Anyway, moving right along, how how has this weather been? And I'm not talking about the weather as just some sort of inconsequential uh, gap filler. It's because it is headland. So headland is a little bit different to other places around the world where we talk about the weather just to fill space. Like headland's a legitimate conversation. Weather's a legitimate conversation in headland. And this summer, man, we've all been saying it. If you lived in headland for more than one summer – especially if you've lived here for multiple summers, you understand how uncharacteristic this this summer has been. I mean, we've had so much rain. I, I, I speak to guys who've been here for 25-plus years who said they've never seen this much rain in Headland over a summer, like spread out this much, um, which has just been awesome. Everything's green. The grass is loving it. You know, obviously the, all the water holes inland are all full. There's water in, 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 um, you know, in all the creeks and, in, and, and the water holes and stuff, which is just cool, man. Um, and it's been a fairly mild summer. Sure, it's been hot enough, and we've had some super gross days and gross weeks even, but 
what I keep telling the people that haven't been here for you know, multiple summers is that what we haven't had is that relentless four-month stint of just disgusting, disgusting weather where it's either 40, 42, 43 degrees all day, every day, or it's down to maybe 36 at the coolest and just humid as all hell. And you get that morning, night, afternoon, day in, day out, week in, week out for like four months and it just grinds you down. You go home and the water and your shower was hot and you go to the beach and the water, the beach is warm and it's just, you cannot escape. Ape it, man. It's you hop out of the shower and dry yourself off, and before you get dressed again, you're already sweaty. We haven't had that relentless shit this year. It's been hot, 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 hot. Oh, it's cool. It's actually a nice breeze this afternoon. Oh, and and that's broken it up so much for us people that have had a few headland summers under our belt. So I'm super, super happy about that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are, but it's definitely, definitely been something different. The, the only problem with it is that with all that rain comes the rain problems. So I bought this caravan into last year and it had two, the two windows on the on the roof kind of have been leaking, which when we found that out was like, okay, it's not a big deal. We'll get them fixed and, and you know, we'll get around to it and get them fixed because we kind of bought the caravan before we were ready to buy the caravan because it popped up and it was a great deal and it was sort of what we wanted. But I wasn't ready to invest my time and money into it yet until sort of maybe now-ish to the, over the next couple of months. So it's been sitting there for like four months, three or four months, and it just keeps raining. So I was taking it to the yard at work and stashing it in the shed, and every time it rains, I've, I've been up and done a bit of work on the on the win, on those top windows since, but it seems like every time it rains, it's like, oh, I'll deal with it at the time, and then you think, oh, that should be it. Probably won't get any more rain again. I'll deal with it later on. And then until a week or two later, it rains again. So it just keeps, I just keep getting stung with this bloody caravan taking on water we were not ready for. So that's one as well at work. We've had a few re-roofs lined up. Uh, we've been putting them off, putting them off, putting them off because all these fronts that are coming down, there's, there's no time to open up a roof when you've got possible cyclones lurking around. Um, finally, we got into the March and we're like, okay, weather's looking pretty good now. I think we're fairly safe. We'll jump into one of those re-roofs, pull the roof off, pull the sheets off on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it starts pissing down. And it wasn't supposed to rain until the Saturday, so the boys were caught a little bit unaware by it as well. And you get rain coming in, and then we're out there drying out <sighs> gyp rock and, and putting dehumidifiers in the house and all this sort of shit. And it's like, oh, man, I forget about these hassles that you get down in Perth. And, you know, there's rain all the time, and, you, and you just, you're prepared for it, generally prepared for it. We're in Headland. We don't really worry about rain because it happens like two or three times a year and you just deal with it at the time and then you can go back to your normal routine. But it's been so frequent, it's kind of been a bit of a, um, a, bit of a hassle, <laughs> a hassle that I'm, I'm happy to have. But definitely, definitely with the rain comes the rain problems. Oh, and my shed, which I haven't finished yet, still got one panel on one side of it open and the door's not hung, so I have to keep blocking that up so water doesn't get in and ruin all the shit I've stashed in me bloody little shed that I built as well. So there you go. Rain, awesome, rain problems, not so good. Um, I'll tell you what else is loving it, but all the grass and the plants, and um, mate, my grass is just, just killing it. Every year, it's so hard for me to keep it alive through the, through, the, through the wet season, through summer. 
it's like the bugs get to it and the heat gets to it and slowly starts dying off in patches and get to the end of the summer and it's looking pretty dismal and miserable, especially if it's super hot for, for weeks and weeks and weeks in a row and I can't bother going outside and, and working on it. But this year, my grass is looking pretty smick, so I'm pretty excited about moving into the winter with a healthy grass patch for, for this year and just seeing... Um, what it, what she looks like come the end of the year because yeah it's never looked this good in a March before so and all the plants as well plants getting super heaps of rain I've been out spending money on plants well tropical plants um getting a bit of um getting a bit of my, my green thumb on this year um got some plans for some cool tropical screen a, a tropical screening garden along the outside perimeter of the, of the yard and I'm composting in a, a wine barrel I chopped in half. I've got it sitting on either side of an old Jarrah um, park bench t- uh, seat that I that I built. I got my um, two two those two pots either side of it um, that I'm composting in, waiting for a couple of plants to go in there. Probably ready to go in in about another three three or four weeks. So I've been loving getting out in the garden, man, and the worms are loving it. So had all this rain and it's just been a great summer. I, I can handle having a summer like this in Headland every year, especially if we're sort of aware like, aware that it's going to be more rainy than, than usual and you just do those little practical things uh, leading into the wet season to make sure you're not caught out with your pants down when it starts raining. But um, it's been so much cooler and just greener and there's water around. It's like sort of having a wet season in the Kimberleys or up in Darwin where it's night and day. It's hot as fuck, yeah, but you get water and all the great things that come with water. So... Who knows if it's just an anomaly, a one-off, and then next year it's back to hot and dry as fuck for like four months, or if maybe things are, there's a, a shift in the weather pattern at the moment, and and you know because the weather patterns we don't really know what the weather is like in the Pilbara all the time. We only really know what it's been like for the last sort of fifty, sixty, seventy years because that's how long people been hanging around here doing their thing. So obviously obviously white people hanging around doing their thing and recording all these things that I'm talking about. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, if we get a bit of a, a wetter patch over the next five, ten years. Who bloody knows, mate? be cool to see that happen anyway. Um, oh, speaking of, of the shit in the yard, I'm chasing some, to, for my screening tropical garden that I was just talking about, chasing some more of the, the railway sleepers. Uh, they pop up on Facebook every now and then, you know, it's... It's got to be the right time. Like you can't just see them and then, oh yeah, great, that's what I want. And go pick them up at the drop of a hat. You got to be ready for it. You got to have the trailer or the ute ready, and maybe a mate to help you lift them and load them and stuff because they're heavy as hell. Those things. But um, there's some dudes. There's a dude on there at the moment selling sleepers. Not even railway sleepers. They're just sort of Jarrah sleepers of some description. They look dry and cracked as shit. Selling for fifty bucks each, man. Two point four lengths. And I was just like, this dude can go and eat a. Dick, man, there should be 20 bucks each maximum for like 3.6 length proper Jarrah sleepers, man. So I don't know where this guy's getting off, man. 50 bucks for a fucking half-ass dried-out Jarrah sleeper. Dude's tripping, man. I hope he doesn't get any, I hope he doesn't get any 50 bucks for him. Um, but yeah, I need to make a big garden bit out of those and here get these tropical plants and passion fruits and shit going and um yeah i'm just looking forward to getting the garden cranking this year man um we've got a pretty good as i said got a pretty good head start on it with the with the weather that we've that we've had so i'm looking forward to that and um another thing i've been looking for in town which has been super hard to come by is just a little box trailer i want a box trailer that i can put a, a sort of cage side around um and and some shade cloth and just use as like a a general rubbish bin in the yard 
um, so that I can put all the leaves and grass clippings and shit in it as I go and any general rubbish, you know, cardboard boxes and stuff that you you build up over the course of a couple of weeks to a month um, that <clears throat> that I have in my yard. I can just wheel the trailer around and just use it as, as a big mobile rubbish bin and then once every month or so I take it down to the tip and dump it. But they've been really, really hard to come by. And I can't see any on Headland for sale or anything like that or, 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 on any uh, everything for – what is it called? Everything Headland or, or Headland buy, sell and swap. Um, I've been looking for a little while, so definitely would love to get my hands on a good box trailer um, to sort that out. Um, yeah, because I've just got so many leaves and shit in my yard, man, and like I said, general rubbish and all the grass clippings and it helped make me keep the yard so much tidier having a trailer I can just wheel around and then as, I'm, as it gets full, just fuck it off. Rather than stockpiling stuff and having to get a truck here every now and then and getting rid of it, it's just an extra bloody uh, hassle. So that'd be that'd be cool, man. And <clears throat> one thing that's a positive is, is I guess, the... Uh, the council finally come around and did the verge trim on the trees. They've never done since we've we've been here, and the trees have been massively overgrown. Like I've had to cut them back a few times myself because they're leaning into our yard, hanging over down over the grass area, hanging right down, touching the windscreen of your car and shit. The tree on my side of the road and this tree on the opposite side of the road, their foliage had fully grown into each other and was intertwining, like which looked super cool as you're driving into the street and there's like a tunnel of trees where they'd grown over the road and touching each other and like I said hanging down into my yard and had this massive big canopy of foliage and there's like four of them on the on the border of the of the um <clears throat> property but the it just drops so much shit out of them man big nuts and there's like weird root stick things that hang down as well and it drops its foliage like, two, like at least twice a year the whole tree drops its foliage and like a good portion of it goes in my yard and the bats sit in them and eat the flowers and the fruit and shit all over your cars and like so they were super super messy trees. So that's going to help a bit that they've been like I reckon they trimmed it back to like a quarter of its foliage on, on Friday I think it was. Got rid of heaps of heaps of like yeah branches and leaves and all sorts of shit. So it's kind of looking a little bare out the front, but at the same time it's going to make for a, a, a bit of an easier time keeping the yard and verge clean with that shit going for now so that's also another cool thing um they got a haircut as my little boy said came home and said look the tree's got a haircut dad so that's um that's that's pretty cool uh except that it, it opened up the view of the ocean from the like, very front of the property again because like i said that tree was hanging down so far blocking the ocean a little bit but we used to get from my kitchen window and the dining room like table window we used to get like Oh, not quite 180, but like 110, 120-degree ocean views or maybe 100-degree ocean views, right, at the at the window of the dining room. So you sit there in the weekend and have breakfast and just have full view of the ocean, which is just divine. Like people, people pay a lot of money to have those kind of views and do a lot of different things in life to get themselves into a position where they can have those kind of views. And we kind of just fell into it and have not taken it for granted. We absolutely love it. But... Just before Christmas, the neighbour's house, so that's a hospital house as well, had complained about one of the trees in their yard um, touching the roof and they wanted it trimmed back before cyclone season, which is fair enough. An old mate that does the, the landscaping, he did some work at our house as well. Nice guy, but not super competent at what he does. Um, he sold it to him that he needed to trim all the trees in their yard back because he obviously wanted to milk the contract out a little bit more. 
And he's come in and he's hacked these three big gum trees at the front of the yard, hacked them right back, but not very strategically. So he hacked them back to like three metre high stumps, cut all the foliage off them, cut them back to stumps that are like three metres high, right? And what do those trees then do at three metres high in the space of six weeks? Turn into bushes, massive bushes, three metre high bushes, one, two, three, all next to each other. And then you did another tree that wasn't a gum tree but did the same thing to that, hacked that right back. They've turned into a row of bushes that completely block our ocean view out from the living room. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, you poor bloody thing, you can't see the ocean from from your kitchen window anymore. Well, damn right, man. Like I said, it's a big deal for us. People do a lot of fucking things in life to get that kind of view, and we had it. We had it, and now I know it's a rental house, it's not ours, but while we're here, we're going to fucking make the damn most of this place that we're living in and the, the, and the view and, and the location and everything. And we had this awesome view. We'd sit there in the morning, look at the ocean, and, and it just was a great start to your weekend, to your day. It's freaking gone now because this dude, this nobody thought it was a good idea to hack these trees back into a fucking bush and, uh, you know, bush size and they've just bushed right out. So, yeah, I'm going to cut them down. <clears throat> Damn sure I'm going to cut them down. I already spoke to the neighbour about it and just said, hey, man, do you mind if I come back and hack all the, the, the foliage off those trees that have bushed out and completely stole our, um, our ocean views from us? And she was a little bit weird about it, but she said yes, so I'll just take the, um, take the yes and, and I've got to get it, get some time to head over there and chop those back. And I think while well, I'm there, I might get the chainsaw and, and just hack the hack the actual tree back a little bit lower as well. And then, then the foliage will grow back and I'll go and trim that again and I'll hack it back again a little bit more. So each time I'll get that lower and lower and lower until it's um, no longer a problem. Because it's just completely, completely stole our view from us, man. We really valued that bloody view and now it's gone. So... <sighs> Talk about first world problems, eh? Anyway, next weekend, no, next weekend I'm going axe throwing um, with the social club at work just before those poor bastards closed down, which will be pretty cool. I think they had a bit of trouble with the like the rent and the, the indemnity insurances and stuff like that at a place where you fucking throw axes at a wall. It was a little bit un, unsustainable for them, which is, a, which is a pity. And I've been bitching and moaning about that. I'm not sure how much of it was just the insurances and how much of it was the rent, but there is definitely a problem in town with uh, people not being able to start up and sustain small businesses because of the prices of rent around the place. You know, my friends at Ironworks had trouble with the start of COVID last year where they were going to get squeezed for an exorbitant amount of rent when the gym couldn't open. And, and it's a big problem with a lot of places around town where it's just they can't get, they can't get the land at a decent enough price to start up these, these businesses that people in town, us, the, 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 the residents, are, are going to benefit from. So I think it might be a bit of a mixture of both with Iron Axe, but they're shutting down next, uh, I think, in April, which which sucks. Because they had a pretty good uh, online following and it seemed like that people were really enjoying going there, but at the same time, I don't know how often you can go throw an axe at a target for. Like, is it a one-and-done thing or is it addictive? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to throw an axe at the wall with my, my shoulders, my detachable shoulders. So I'll, I'll let you know how that goes after next week. But the week after that, um, we're going to Broom for our 10-year our wedding anniversary. Ten bloody years. So in 2011, um, Ems and I got married, March the 26th, I think it was. And then a week later, we moved up to he- Headland. Sold all our shit, pretty much. Um, packed the ute up. Well, we had our car. Got, we had the truck got packed up as well by the hospital. Um and headed up to Port Hedland. So we had a headland in honey. I had a honeymoon in Hedland, um, and we've had 
plenty of good holidays since then where we made up for our for our lack of a real honeymoon. But yeah, we moved up to Headland the week after we got married and started a new life here. I drove up in my patrol ute with me, Ems, Casper, the dog, the old boy I told you about, who was my, my man, sitting in the middle of us. And then um, Costa, the um, Wiro, the... Um, Sitting the cockatiel sitting on the back of Emma's chair, shitting down the back of the chair. So all four of us drove up in the cab, and then started our new life in here in Headland, man. And, and here we are, ten years later. Um, so I left town for a couple of years in there, but basically this will be my eighth year living in town. And um, yeah, so we're heading up to Bali. Sorry, heading up to Broome for for our uh, Bali. Heading up to Broome for our ten year wedding anniversary. We would normally go to Bali for our anniversary in March. It's sort of been a bit of a, a thing we've done over the years. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen this year, so we're going to go to Broome, which will be the next best uh, thing. I'm looking forward to it, man. It'd be good to get away and go out and eat and drink and go to some of the spots they got, um, that some of the spots that Broome has to offer. We haven't been there for a few years now, so I think three years, which will be cool. Head up there, stay at the seashells. Um, apartments I'll probably take my paddleboard up And try and catch a bit of a wave Out the front there on Cable Beach Go down Divers for a beer Down to Matzo's And go out to some other spots For a good feed And probably get a babysitter On one of those nights as well So I'm looking forward to that It's going to be a real good um, Yeah, good little getaway for us Not the same as Bali But we won't talk about that Hey, I did hear that or I did read that um, They reckon that international travel will probably open up when somewhere between 40 to 60% of the population has been vaccinated. The trick is to finding out how long they think that's going to take. Is that going to take two years or is that going to take a year? Or um, I'm quietly holding out hope that by Christmas this year we have enough people vaccinated where we can start opening up the country again because I would love, love, love to go spend a couple of weeks in Bali over Christmas. That'd be just awesome, mate. Um, but we'll just watch this space and see what happens with that. <clears throat> uh, I think one last thing to talk about before we uh, before I get out of here, I am doing these shorter episodes these days. Um, it's been hard for me to stay consistent. I missed last week again. Like, I'm just working so much, man, at the moment. And, um, yeah, I'm working so much, really. And it's just taken a lot out of me, but... I mentioned last time as well that I've been doing this RPL application for my um, diploma, my building, uh, my um, diploma in building through the Masters Builders Association, and I actually got the results back for that RPL application during the week, which was good news, really good news. I got, I think I got all of the RPLs I applied for, bar maybe one or two. So I got, I, I got eight of the RPLs, which is recognition of prior learning, accepted towards my diploma. So I need to do eleven more. Uh, 11 more units through I'll do it through the Master Builders Association and I'll get my, my diploma in building now that doesn't mean that you're a builder you still then have to get your builder's ticket which is basically you, they, you get the diploma you do up a portfolio you take that to the you take that to the um, <clears throat> Master Builders Association and then they make a decision on, on getting you your ticket. There's a few things that go around about that, like about cash flow and how much money you need to have in the bank and a few other things that they stipulate. That That's something I'll do down the track, but for now, by the end of this year, looking at getting my my um, diploma in building, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, now, I wasn't super confident putting all the paperwork in just because um, I know that I have the skills that I was applying for the RPLs for, but I didn't have a, a great um, 
back up in paperwork, if you know what I mean. Like we've moved houses like three times since I last worked for myself. Um, uh, I've had different computers. I don't have everything I wanted to have on hand just to put together and send off in a package. So there was a lot of it was just my written knowledge that I'd given a spiel about and explain what I do for work, what I've done in the past, what my skills are, and I guess you can get an understanding of what I know and what I don't know from reading through that. There was definitely paperwork, drawings I've done, buildings I've, I've built and, 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 and uh, renovations and things that I've done and the, the sketches, drawings for those, certificates of compliance, builders' um, appro- uh, approval from councils, applications and all that sort of stuff, quotes, um, quotes and invoices and and uh, a couple of references from builders and shit like that who I've worked for over the years. So I did have a you know like a package to send to them, but I felt like it was a little bit light on on physical paperwork evidence for what I was applying for. But it, it all got approved. Um, the guy did up a report, sent it to the Master Builders Association. They've they've accepted to give me RPLs for eight of those units. And now together we just need to put now we just need to put together a plan for the remaining eleven units and come up with a payment plan for it and and then yeah I have to do a little bit of a couple of like face-to-face practicals down in Perth I'll have to fly down for but I think most of it I'm going to be able to do remotely um, which will be good but it is going to be an expensive year for us this year it's going to be $7,200 worth of course by the time I'm finished with it I will have to fly down to Perth once or twice to do it as well which is a bit extra cash on top um, look we got a wedding to go down to Perth in May. It's going to cost us twenty two hundred just to fly there. Then I got to we're going down there for school holidays in July because we couldn't get a spot in the Ningaloo Coast or in Broome or anywhere else around WA um, that we could drive to for the school holidays in, in July. So we're going to fly down to Perth again. There's another twenty two hundred bucks. Um, you know, this is the year I'm trying to pay off the car and put all this money in the bank and the diploma now. So it's going to be a bloody expensive year for us, um, which I guess we'll probably end up. I mean, it puts back our um, owning the, the vehicle, the car. I wanted to own that by like August, September this year. It's probably going to bump that back to December. Um, but I, I also think that adjusting our plan for travel a little bit, which I was sort of thinking about earlier this year anyway, to instead of going for the one big 12-month stint uh, all the way around the country, I think if we aim to do a six-month stint on the road with the caravan, own the caravan, have the money in the bank, own the car, all that kind of shit, and do a six-month stint, I think that gives us a good taste of what we're looking for, we'll be able to do the YouTube channel, be able to get free and travel around, six months on the road is still six months on the road and I think that'll be a good amount of time to, to really get a taste for it and still come back to Headland and have our roots and everything set here and probably be, able to be, probably be able to get leave, unpaid leave for that amount of time so we can come back to our old jobs and decide, um, yeah, if we want to save up and go do it all again. Um, or, or make a decision from there, you know, it would be a lovely lifestyle to be able to work for six months of the year or even work for eight months of the year and travel for four months of the year. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. Um, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that. But I'm not just a dreamer who's like an airy-fairy dreamer with nothing behind me. I'm a dreamer who puts his head down, puts his nose to the grindstone and works towards my, my dreams. So let's, let's see what we can make happen. I'm willing to adjust that plan to a six or seven-month trip on the road. Um with the caravan and the car and, and, and um, just see how we go from there. So anyway, it's going to be an expensive year, but pretty excited about that diploma of building. So something I've had on the back burner and thought about for several years now and to have just dived in and got that ball rolling and, and had a positive start, I'm pretty happy about that. So anyway, 
That is 36 minutes and 7 seconds of me bullshitting to you. Average Man Podcast, episode number 92. I'm shipping up to Boston. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Right, take it easy, guys. I'll speak to you probably not next week. It'll probably be the week after. But anyway, take it out. Uh, Take care. Peace out. Thanks.